0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com I was recently talking to a, a neighbor of mine who told me that he had over for a Shabbos meal a psychiatrist, psychologist, whose job is to go to death row inmates and to talk to them about the crimes that they committed in order to see if maybe maybe there was something within their psychology which prevented them from making a conscious decision to perform the heinous acts that they performed. See, he goes around in various states and he sits down with the worst people to exist on the planet. And he sits in a jail cell and he interviews them. And he talks to them about their past and about what their mindset was as he performed some of the worst crimes in human history. And he said this amazing thing, that all of these men sitting on death row, for literally being the worst people, they sit there and with a straight face, they tell him the justification for the acts that they did. They all believe that they were right in doing the things that they did. And that's an amazing psychology, that you have people who just do everything wrong, And yet at the same time, they don't see it whatsoever. And this idea was churning in my mind over Yantif after my neighbor told me about it. And I was thinking about it and I was thinking about it. And then I came across a very, very interesting dual, two ideas. One is a Ramban and one is a Ayan that I want to share with you. That I think shares a very, very deep look into the human makeup. The Rambansa is a very interesting concept. You know, when we're kids, we always hear stories of a man who came and he met a Rebbe, and the Rebbe tells him if he does something, that he'll sell him his share in Olam Haba. He'll sell him his share in the world to come. And it always bothered me, this concept. Like, our whole existence, we're sitting in this world, we're, we're doing everything so that eventually there will be some sort of payout, right? We want there to be a person passes away after 120 years, he gets up there, they go, welcome, here's your reward. And it always struck me as funny, these stories, where you have somebody who says, yeah, sure, I'll sell you half my share in the world to come, or I'll sell you my whole share in the world to come. How does that work? How does this concept work? So the Ramban actually says something very, very fascinating. He says that what happens when a person gets up after 120 years, is that he comes to Shemayim, and they have a din v'chashvim. They lay out for him everything that he did, everything that he could have done. And they say to him, here's the good, here's the bad, here's the ugly. And here's the punishment stage of what you have to go through in order to cleanse your neshama from all the bad things that you did in the world. That's a stage that a person has to go through and it's very painful and it lasts a certain amount of months. But after that stage, says the Ramban, each person lives on for all nitzchi, for all eternity, with the feeling of the relationship that they earned or they built or they experienced while living in this world. And that relationship, while it's somewhat dependent, obviously, on the reward that a person gets, it's actually very different in the sense that you, you literally are just living with an awareness of a closeness or a distance between you and Hashem. And what happens is as you go through the cleansing process called, whatever it's called, called Gehenim, called the cleansing process of the world to come, a person's awareness of what he actually accomplished or didn't accomplish, or the relationship, the reality of it, it sets in and it strikes a very, very deep chord within your neshama. And that feeling, it, it stays with you, it sticks with you, Forever. And that pain or that pleasure is what a person lives on for. So maybe a person will sell his reward, but he cannot trade off that relationship, that feeling that he developed, that he built over all this time. We all know it says that this world is like an entranceway into the next world. It says prepare yourself in the entranceway so that you'll enter the next world what does that mean it means within this world we should be doing things so that we'll be feeling the feeling that we will eventually feel what does that all mean Ravelo lapian he's just amazing he he lays out he says I want to give you some secrets to life and if you ever read the Sefer level it's just like packed with 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 it's amazing I mean just jam-packed with information of like how the world works, how it operates. And says, very fascinating. He says, I want to teach you how to feel your nishama just a little bit. And if you can tap into this feeling over and over, and you'll learn to develop this, that will be a microcosm of the amazing feeling that you're going to get Hopefully, in the, in the world to come. What are these, what are these secrets? Surveil Lapian says three things. He says, first of all, you should understand that there's a difference between Tainig HaNefesh and Tainig HaGuf. Tainig HaNefesh are things that feel good to your Neshama. You feel like amazing. Tainig HaGuf are things that feel good on a physical level. So, how do you know which one is which? So Reveillezapian says three things. He says, number one, you should just know that anything which is tainik ha has to constantly be replenished. You need food, you eat it, you feel good while you're eating it, and then you need to eat food, and you feel good while you're eating it, and then you eat food, and then you feel good while you're eating it, and then you just keep eating food and food and food. You constantly have to be refueling. Tainik ha-nefesh, it's not necessarily like that. You can do something, imagine you go and save someone's life. Imagine you go and you give tzedakah to somebody and they don't know about it and you really put them in a good position. Imagine you work on your anger. You you were going to get really mad and you didn't. That feeling is a feeling that carries on even beyond the time that you were performing or not performing that action. It's, it's an amazing internal feeling that just lasts. And you can think back to this. Like very few people... Think back like eight years ago when you were in a restaurant and you ate an amazing steak. Okay, it was, it was a steak. I mean, how, the best steak ever. How good was it? It was so good. Like you're still thinking about it eight years later? Something needs to be checked, right? That's not, that's, it's impossible. The feeling cannot last so long. Maybe a day later you'll say, wow, yesterday I was in a great restaurant. After a little bit you're like, okay, I'm, I'm still hungry today. I need to eat. But when you work on your anger, for example, You're like, you don't understand. I worked on my ear 10 years ago, and that moment in time was a definitive moment in my emotional development within my life. It changed my relationship with my wife, with my kids. That that moment is not a moment for the time that I was actually doing something, in as much as the time thereafter, that feeling that I had. Think about like being on a diet. When you're eating... And you're eating to eat and you're not on the diet. So what happens is you're eating and you're so excited. You love the food. It's like, wow, well, I can't get enough. You're just always looking for something to pop in your mouth. But when you're on a diet, it's the exact opposite. You're very happy when you're not eating. You're not looking forward necessarily to the meal. You're you're strutting around. You're like, woo, I feel like a million bucks. Why? Because I feel good. Not because something makes me feel good that I ate it for a moment. It's an everlasting, a long-term amazing, deep feeling. That's when you're starting to tap into Tainag Hanefesh. You're starting to tap into a soul. You're not just living for the moment. The second idea is this amazing idea that as our bodies get older and older and older, it starts to realize, I'm not going to be here for much longer. we got 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, 120 years. What happens then? you got to start living for the future. So your body starts to reject tiny goof. It's not interested anymore. Food? Like, you ever see, like, an older person sit down in a restaurant? Like, a 97 year old lady sitting in a restaurant and she says, bring me six steaks and three this and all you can eat. She doesn't do that. She eats a little tiny something and she's happy. Her body is not interested. Like, older people, many of them, they get up three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. Why do you get up so early? Eh, I couldn't sleep. Why couldn't you sleep? Their body's not interested. Your body starts to check out of this world slowly because it's telling you, hello, focus on what's really important. It's an amazing thing if you think about it when you're younger. You think about what will I not be interested at the end of my life in? What am I just going to not care about? If those things are things that you're not going to care about, then you have a very good set of priorities for this point in your life. The third idea is a very interesting idea. Is that most Things that come easy are about the body. Things that take effort, that's about the soul. The harder it is, the more you have to work on it, the more you accomplish, you feel really alive. You know, Chaim Shemulevitz was once asked, somebody said to him, how can I get to no Shas? He said, no Shas? That's not a goal. you got to kill yourself over Shas. You have to be dying for Shas. You have to be staying up late at night. You have to be killing yourself over a Gemara. That's how you get something. That's how you get your neshama alive. That's how you feel alive. Not when it's easy. When it's challenging. Specifically, when it's challenging. And the stifler used to say, imagine you have a boy in yeshiva. He's sitting in a class. He's not very smart. He's challenged by the gemara. He doesn't get things as fast as his friends. The classic kid in that situation is very depressed. He looks around Everyone has high scores, high grades. They feel very accomplished. He feels very low. But says the stipler, if somebody were to grab this kid and challenge him, show him how to channel his challenges. Show him how to work through the Gemara. Read the Rashi. Understand the Taisvis. Slower than those other boys. Maybe not understanding it as much as they do. That kid should be the happiest kid in the class. Why? Because his nishama is truly awake. It's on fire. It's an amazing idea. That when it's easy, you don't feel very good. But when you work on something, it becomes much deeper. And when it's deeper, oh, it feels so good. There's a sefer called Bas Ayin. Amazing sefer. And he says, I want to explain to you how this world and the next world all combine to create this amazing Microcosm of how we experience it. He says like this. He says the upper worlds, the Oyelam HaEmes, is created with the letter Yud. It's created with the letter Yud, and it stands for. It represents. It is created a world of Emes and Din. Reality. It's real up here. This world, the world that we live in, the lower Oyelamus, are created with a Hey, and that is Rachamim. There's a hay which everybody knows, there's like a little entranceway that people could escape, they could get out, you could do tshuva, you could change. It's a hazier world, it's a fuzzier world. It's not as emes, it's not as din, it's not as rigid as the oylem ha-emes. <laughs> there's a link between these two worlds and that's the vav, because the Pasuk says that Hashem created eis ha the ve-eis aretz The vav is this world, Hashem created the world with a vav. The six days of the week, our creation, which is Vav, twelve months, which is Vav, and Vav is twelve, and sometimes it's an Ibrill, it's a leap year, and there's thirteen months, so it's Vav, Alev Vav, Vav. Beautiful. That's how these worlds work. But he says that Hashem created within this world feelings, portals, connections, areas that you can feel what the next world feels like. For example, Shabbos. Shabbos is a portal, a look into the next world. It's very interesting that we say the words Asher bara Eli Kim and the last letters of bara Eli Kim is M S, because it's 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 a look into the world the Eilam ha S. We therefore don't live as much in this world. We don't create as much on Shabbos simply because we're not living in this world as much. We're starting to experience the world of M S of Din. We remove ourselves from this world a little bit to experience a relationship with Hashem. And therefore, it's much more serious on Shabbos. The dinim of Shabbos are much more serious. Yom Kippur, which is perhaps a level up, you live in this world even less. You don't live as much in this world. You don't even eat. You don't bathe. You don't spend any time in your body. It's not about your body. It's about experiencing the world to come. Experiencing the MS of the next world. And he takes it just one more step further and he says that the world to come is created with a yud, which we said, and yud is ten, and therefore any time a person gets together with a minion, his tefillah, which is a prayer, which is shooting up to the next world, takes on a totally different level because you have gotten together with ten people. It's an amazing idea that this is how the world works, this is how the world operates. Imagine if I could show you what your life could have been like. That feeling is the feeling of the Olam MS For all eternity. You could have had this. Had you made a different decision, things would have turned out differently. You could have had different kids. You could have raised them differently. When you get to the next world, there's like this acute awareness. See, we live in this world and we have all the justifications for everything we did. Even the worst people on death row, they go, yeah, I had a reason for doing that. Adam and before they ate from the eight Tzedash, were like, yeah, I have a reason for doing this. We have great reasons for doing this. But the second after they did that, they were, they were like, oh, what did I do? You stop for just a minute and you think, what's real? What's MS? And when you think about that, that experience can be quite painful. I could have had a better marriage. I could have been a better person. I could have studied marriage, chenach. I could have spent more time working on myself, on my emotional development. Ouch! That is so painful. But you know what? It doesn't have to be in the Olam Ha'emes. We have so much on this world, so many portals that people can tap into to study marriage, to study chenach, to learn what it means to be a better person, a better husband, A better spouse, a better father, a better child to raise your children in the right way. There are so many avenues for people to look at. So many times we sit with couples and we say to them, this is the path that you've chosen for X amount of years. And of course, as the years go on, it's so much harder to change. But no matter how long it has been, you get to decide what the next page of your book will say. We all tend to think we're at the end of the book because all we know is our history. But if you think a little bit into the future and you say to yourself, what will my life story be? How will my book end? What will the next sentence say? You have the ability to write that. And if you spend a few minutes thinking about this, getting some education working on your children, on your family, on your midos, on your davening, on your learning, then the pain that you can experience in the next world, it's not going to be pain. It's going to be a lot of pleasure. Because you're going to realize that there's not so much what I could have done. Rather, you will live with an eternal sense of feeling of what you actually capitalized on. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.